The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today, founder of Girls Who Code and creator of the Marshall Plan for Moms, also author of Pay Up. I know that's right. Resh Mission, Johnny's. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? How are moms doing? Not good. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Look, I think moms are in crisis um, and have been in crisis the past two years. Many of us found ourselves, you know, with employers who didn't get it, you know, with a government that wasn't supporting us, you know, with partners who weren't doing their part. You know, 51% of moms say they're anxious and depressed. You know, we still have millions of women who are missing from the, from the labor market, you know, or who have downshifted their careers. Uh, half the daycare centers in our country are still shut down. You know, we still have a variant uh, that is out there with our kids still getting sick. And so moms are in crisis. I mean, you, in your book, Pay Up, um, you talk a, a lot about the fact that, you know, there's, there's, in, there's part of this is cultural part is structural in the sense that we're just not valuing um, the contributions of women in any, like on any front. So you talk about, um, you know, how a lot of the work from the partners um, that would have helped sort of support moms in this particular moment where everything else sort of fell apart. And then it just sort of fell on the shoulders of moms to sort of be the teacher and the mom and the employee at the corporation, lawyer, whatever job the mom was actually doing, and a wife and cleaning the house. And meanwhile, I keep thinking back to that that sort of, photo of like which both of these people are on on a call work call and the mom was like surrounded by household things and the dad was like at his desk all neat and tidy and she was like in the bathroom so I just think about how um both structurally and culturally a lot was exposed and how we're we're not supporting our moms on on any front yeah, look, I mean, I found myself in the middle of the pandemic with two little kids, you know, running Girls Who Code, and it almost broke me. And I had resources. And I learned the hard way that having it all is just a euphemism for doing it all. Mm-hmm. And we've taught women, right, that it's all about women's empowerment, right? Just take a leadership course, color code your calendar, delegate, get a mentor, and, every, and you'll, you can have an express train to the corner office. And the reality is, is that we've been trying to fix the woman instead of fix the system. Mm. And the system has never worked for us, whether you're a mom, a CEO, a kid coming out of college, all of us. And it especially hasn't worked for women of color. And so I wrote my book, Pay Up, to you know, ask the bigger question, right, of how do we finally make workplaces work for women and how we can leverage this moment, right, of the great resignation of what we've you know, coming out of the pandemic to make real systematic changes in the workplaces that will benefit everyone. I mean, I think a, a lot about that as we sort of 
we you mentioned the great resignation but i'm also thinking i read a lot of over the holiday weekend two different long form pieces about how companies are struggling with remote work because nobody wants to go back to the office right because they've sort of either sort of adjusted to working from home and all the things that come along with that meaning you don't have to commute an hour to get where you're going right, right. um you know you're you can have your meals you know all home cooked because your your kitchen is right there you can mm-hmm. you know work out and sort of fit in so many Sleep, different right sleeping um is is definitely a benefit um because you're not commuting two hours in some instances to get to the office um and i and i just keep thinking about the fact that because it's so obvious men are in charge of everything right yep. now right yep. that's why because like even even sort of the 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 way in which companies have reopened it's clear that men are in charge of everything because not much has changed in terms of like what yep. companies are willing to provide to support you as a parent or a mom yeah i mean if you think about it workplaces have always been designed for a man you know a white man typically who had a stay-at-home partner i mean think about when women were just you know allowed to go to work in world war ii because they needed us. And then as soon as the war was over, they just pushed us out again. And so everything about the way that work is set up, I mean, the hours, work is nine to five, but school schools are open eight to three, right? The temperature, you know, after drink, after, you know, after, after, after work drinks, I mean, everything, the way that it's set up, it, it was never set up for us. And, you know, post pandemic, even though you've had, you know, a bull stock market, you know, high, highest levels of productivity, you know, what happens? People are, oh, come back to work five days a week, you know, nine to five, even though so much had been broken, right? Including, you know, our school systems and, 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 and childcare, but that didn't seem to matter to anybody. And so what I tell people right now is like, this is the new revolution, right? You have to really resist going back to the old normal. And we're spending so much time and energy being like, come back to work, come back to work. Instead of saying, huh, what wasn't working about the old workplace? What did we learn over the past two years that we can do now? Like you said, I mean, so many, not just moms, but dads are, we're we're commuting, you know, two hours a day back and forth and they were seeing their kids 30 minutes a week, right? Uh, They weren't sleeping. You know, we had high rates of diabetes and heart attacks. And, you know, now people are exercising. They're taking care of themselves. You know, we have to really, this kind of era of, you know, hustle culture, Mm. it's got to die. People don't want to live like that anymore. And we don't need to. You know, there's a study out, I think, in the Times, which was just rating people's happiness. And the number one thing that gives people the most amount of unhappiness is work. And I don't think it's because people don't want to work. I don't think that people want to work in the way that we're asking them to right now, again, for, for low to no wages, for no benefits, right. Uh, for no respect. Yep. And so I, I really think that this is the moment for, and, and not just, you know, salaried workers, but hourly workers. I mean, I know moms in the pandemic that got fired because they had to leave their retail job to go pick up a laptop so their kid, you know, can attend their Zoom class. You know, I know women who, you know, we, I've read about women who, you know, couldn't find childcare and worked at, you know, a pizza parlor, had to leave their kids at home. And she got put in jail for child endangerment, you know, in a country that offers no benefits to children and mothers and parents. So, you know, we have got to really wholesale rethink 
all of it. Mm-hmm. But people, men at the top, are really going to resist it because it was working for them. Right. But it wasn't working for the rest of us. It wasn't working for people of color that were facing microaggressions in the workplace. It yeah. wasn't working for the LGBT, you know, non-LGBT, non-binary. It wasn't working for women. It wasn't working for people with disabilities. It wasn't working for anyone else. It's so true. I think about that every day because one of the things that um, has changed the most in my life is that on a day-to-day basis, like uh, other than the news cycle itself, like I'm happy. Like I, I'm just like even killed. Everything's sort of like pretty good, even in the pandemic, because I've sort of just like yeah. figured out what my routine is that, you know, um, where I, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm keyed in at this this time and then I'm tuning out at this time. So I'm sort of, you know, figured it out what works for me. But one of the things that has changed is I do not have to deal with racist microaggressions in the office. I do not have to deal with street harassment on the way to the subway or on the subway or on the way to the office. And so it was, it's like the, the sort of daily ways in which I was just sort of like being picked at, it just stopped completely because I don't have to do a commute. And so that has like changed my body, like the tension in my neck just went away. And I was like sitting there one day in the pandemic a couple months in and I was like, wait, my neck doesn't hurt. Why is that? Oh, (laughs) less racism. I have to deal with on a regular basis. I mean, speak to the ways in which even just like the adjustments we've all made in the pandemic have allowed us to sort of notice that we were dealing with a lot of crap, Um, you know, sexism, racism, the intersections of those things on a daily basis, just to get get to, to and be in the office. Yeah, I mean, and this has been, you know, pretty well documented, you know, across the board. I mean, I was, I was reading, and, and even in thinking about how you design uh, remote work, I was reading a, an article about, about black startups, and they have a rule that you don't have to turn on your video, because we I trust you. I love that rule. We trust so you, I, right? I, in the how beginning about that? of the pandemic, I was so like, oh, I have to put the video on, I have to put it, now, I, like, I just don't, I just don't, for, for a yeah. lot of calls, like yeah. a lot. I'm the same. Like, can we just talk on the phone? But right, and even that, right, has was was so. Um, again, it it worked for the company, and it didn't. It, you know, what I mean, they're more productive. So, and for and I, I would say for you know for you know remote work and flexibility for women. I mean, two thirds of the of the domestic caregiving work are, is done by women, and so just having the opportunity to do a load of laundry in yep. between your meetings. You know, stop at CVS and pick up some eye drops, what, whatever it is that's on your to do. So maybe on Saturday, you could maybe go for a walk because you actually have time. Right. And, and, and so, but we're resisting that and we're, we're penalizing people who want to engage in behaviors that are healthy for them. Again, not, not that they're quote lazy or don't want to work because we have the ability to measure KPIs, to measure productivity, to measure output. And we have to like seed control. And the thing is, is I think control is such a huge part of the way we treat people in this country. I mean, don't get me started on abortion. Oh. You know what I mean? On, on, gun, what, you know, on gun control, all of it. It's all about having control over people and over a subset of people. And, and I think we just gotta, we gotta really, and this is what I've, I learned, you know, 10 years after running Girls Who Code, it's like, 
instead of trying to barge into the big tech, big tech companies and fix them, we actually have to give resources to our, you know, to our community to start building mm-hmm. your own companies, right. creating right. your own norms. It's, it's so true. I mean, I feel like the spaces with which I have felt the most comfortable are the ones that were led um, by non, you know, like by women, by women of color. Um, and I think that, you know, the more that we can create spaces where we feel not safe, quote unquote, in the in the sort of traditional sense, but like a place where, you know, you're you're respected and that you're um, no one is like judging you because you have to pick up your kid or you don't want to turn your video on. Um, and I think that, you know, most of the environments that that is true um, often are there are a lot of women yeah, <laughs> present. Yeah, I mean, totally. Well, this is my big, that was my big aha, right? After Girls Go, which is like, gosh, I've spent 10 years trying to knock the doors down of Facebook or, you know, Google. They're not going to change because they were cultures that were built without people of color, without women, without non-binary, without, you know, and so we're now just asking them to let us in. And there's a lot of resistance to that. And the same thing's happening in the country, right? And the country was founded without us, without rights to, to black people, to brown people, to women, to indigenous people. And now we just find ourselves in this constant never ending battle, right? With this push and pull on our rights. Now, the sad thing is you can't just start another country, right? I mean, that fight seems like, you know, I just said to myself the other week, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm literally never going to start, stop marching. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is just going to be constant. Mm-hmm. But the thing I think we can learn about workplaces is that we have got to figure out ways to build our own. It, it's, it's so important. I mean, creating our own spaces, um, you know, and, and being competitive, with the other spaces is yep. important. So one of the things that's been happening lately, and I, I've appreciated this very much because I definitely um, came up, definitely I was definitely of age and came up in the girl boss era. Mm. Like I think I even went to like a girl boss summit and I was on a panel once. Like I I I mean a fully I mean I never like wore you know like was branded with pink or anything. But I think I even had like a nameplate on my desk at work that said like boss lady, somebody had of one, of, one of my just had purchased, like, yeah. you know, when I when I first started at Sirius XM. And I think a lot about the fact that hustle culture, as you mentioned before, also um, as it relates to this, it just was like wearing us down. Like one of the things I used to say about my life before is that I was always out of breath. Like I was just constantly out of breath. I lived in New York City, of course. So you are constantly kind of out of breath in New York because you're just like running place to place and like up and down escalators and whatnot. So, it, you know, days, day after day after day, just being like constantly out of breath. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to live like this. This is not sustainable. I'm going to break. Like every three months I would be like, I'm going to break. This is this is not a sustainable thing. And I don't even have kids. This is not I don't have any children. So yeah. think about you know, the moms and the parents out there who are running around but also have to take care of a whole family. Like, I I, I, I can't even imagine. Um, so can you also talk about what's happening now, which is people are finally realizing this whole girl boss lean-in stuff was crap. And it was all set up by, like, rich white ladies who had help to help them lean in. And the people that were helping them lean in are usually women of color. 
So you were like, you know, I'm leaning in and so I can be a girl boss, but like you have a nanny and yep. somebody cleaning your house. And there's no shame in either of those things. I have somebody who comes and helps me too. We all have people help us do things that like we couldn't do anything completely on our own. We're all, you know, we all have folks who come and help. But think, talk about the, like, the death of the girl boss because it's been completely fascinating and I love it. It's amazing. Kill the girl boss. Yeah, I mean, look, I think dead. the thing, like I said, <laughs> I, I think we all thought that if we would just, you know, lean in real hard and we could girl boss our way to the top and it was just all about an expression. So all you had to do was like, do your power pose, build your confidence, <laughs> right? And we, oh, come on, we would literally do that before meeting. I know. So, I still kind of do a power pose. I, I mean, I'm, it, it kind of does work scientifically, <laughs> but it's not going to overcome the misogyny and sexism in the company. Right, right. It does not bring about systemic change. <laughs> right, totally. We were distracted yeah. by, and, and this is why you've, I'm sure you've had so many young women come to you, me too, say, I just, I don't feel like I belong. I mean, what do I do about imposter syndrome? And I'm like, girl, like 72% of high school valedictorians are women. Women are the majority of college graduates. We're the majority of PhDs, the majority of master's degrees. We literally rule when it comes to any performance measure. But then we get into a workplace. And because, again, they got to do something to bring us down, they start saying, well, you don't have enough confidence. (laughs) You're not, you know, you just got to try a little harder. I just don't think you really want it. You know, you suddenly we're not good enough and it's about and now we just got to spend time fixing ourselves and that's a distraction from saying oh maybe we feel this way because we don't have childcare, and <laughs> you know we don't have we have to go 90 percent of us have to go back to work 10 days after having a baby right maybe you know there's a mental health crisis and we don't actually get any benefits or support for therapy right maybe there's these microaggressions that are constantly being made in a workplace, right? Maybe that's why. So we are completely um, lied to. Mm-hmm. You know, I call it the big lie in my book that don't, you know, it, it wasn't the structural, it's you. And if you fixed yourself and if you can't fix yourself, so the ones that are out there being girl bosses, they, they succeeded at that. They did 200 power poses and now they're the boss. And so we look on Instagram and we think, oh gosh, there's something wrong with me. Why is she being able to do that? And I can't because we lie on social media. Yeah. So, you know, I'm literally at this point where when I, you know, I have like three speeches later today, I, I won't answer those questions anymore. Mm. I'm not participating in that. Like I'm literally not participating in that. You want to talk about what to do at your company to fix your structure. You know what I mean? To edit your corporate policies, to root out discrimination against mothers and people of color. Great. But I'm not going to give women advice on imposter syndrome. Well, my thing is, is that that I I have a joke that Donald Trump cured my imposter syndrome. I'm excellent. Like I, I, one of the, like, I I, literally, I mean, I think that seeing him become president, I was like, oh, everything we, everything is a lie. None of this matters. We can do whatever we want. Right, we can do whatever we want. About, right. We've never talked about unearned male privilege. We just, I mean, that is the, that is the problem. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about affirmative action, but we don't talk about legacy admits. So right. all of that is just so baked in our system. And I think if you take a step back, and this is like, well, I want my gift to be 
to young women, especially young women of color, is I want you to see the big picture, see the system, see the way that it's set up, and then let's go fight the system. But don't, you know, fall into that trap of thinking that you just got to be better, work harder, and try more. No, you know, that, that, that you can, you'll be excellent and they still won't let you in. Right. Right. And that's, that's we've all learned that, right? We've, oh I, I mean, God. 46 is a woman of color. That's what I've learned. That no, no I mean, one's going to let me. If, no, exactly. If I had applied for girls with job, they would never have hired me. Right. right. I had to build it. It's, it's so, so true. And it's like, you know, you can do all of this. I mean, you can even list out the same qualifications and like do all the things and then you still show up and they're like, I don't know, still no, still no. The answer is still no. <laughs> and you're just like, no. I, it is. I just don't think, yeah. There's always something wrong with you. The confidence thing was always funny to me because I think as women of color, when when you try to be, you know, really, really confident and come off as confident, that can come off as like yep. abrasive or hostile. I've been told I'm hostile before, and I always find that interesting. And I think it's because I'm just not deferential as like a default position in every context right I mean it depends upon whether it's appropriate but I just feel like that comes across sometimes as like aloofness where I but but I also know that like my facial expression and every single thing that's happening with my mouth whether it's smiling or not like it's all being like examined by people because like that's sort of like living as a woman and particularly a woman of color that's just like part of your lived experience everybody's like what is what is she doing what is she thinking oh she's mad right. she, oh, and then the, you walk in the yeah, hallway right. and they're like smile and like, right <laughs> and now with everyone trying to be woke it's like okay now i'm i'm trying to figure out how i'm making you feel because i want to feel good about myself right it's like the whole thing you know yes yes you can't let people just be and i again going back to where this conversation started i think that's what's so um so freeing about being at home yeah because maybe for a minute you can just be it was why so many women of color mothers of color were keeping their babies home right. during the pandemic yes they were scared but also too like their kids could actually not face a microaggression at school it's a beautiful thing i i actually find the homeschooling mo movement in the pandemic, particularly with black parents, um, there's a bunch of different communities in the South that have chosen to do this. Um, and it, I always find it so refreshing because there is damage done to you as a young ch child, a young black child or child of color in these environments in school when you're little. And it like it it's the kind of damage that like doesn't go away. You got you, you, you have to work through it in therapy throughout your whole life. It's it's so real. And so being able to be yourself, whether you're an adult or or a child in this remote working and school environment is is just like it is the it is the revolution. Um, Reshmus and Johnny, founder of Girls Who Code and creator of the Marshall Plan for Moms, also author. The book is Pay Up, <laughs> and I like that because <laughs> um, yeah, pay, pay me what you owe. <laughs> just kind of pay up. I say pay up. Um, that is that is could not be. Um, it is fact, 100% fact, like 100, like the 100 emoji. Um, thank you so much for being here thank this morning. Thank you for having me. Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlinette Check-In for new episodes every weekday.